Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mr. Birdman's Movie Reviews. It is the season two finale of the podcast here. And what better way, since we are in the month of December, as of this recording, it is Festivus and two days away until Christmas. So what better way than to celebrate with a holiday classic? The film we're going to be discussing today is going to be It's a Wonderful Life. It's hard to believe that this film is celebrating its 75th anniversary this year. The film stars Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, and Lionel Barrymore, and the film follows the tale of George Bailey, a man who has given up his personal dreams in order to help others, who is unfortunately contemplating suicide, and thanks to a guardian angel by the name of Clarence, he is given a vision of what life would be like if he had never existed. Um, This particular film, uh, like a lot of other films that I've reviewed in the past, has definitely culturally influenced our world um i have to admit though that the introduction to this film for myself it was very slowly um as a kid uh watching it it didn't really seem that interesting um it was filmed in black and white and uh, I still remember the VHS tape that my parents had when I was growing up. Like the image on it, it was really like grainy. Uh, the quality really wasn't that good. Um, you could tell that like no thought was made into this VHS release. Um, only to find out years later um, that because this film was a failure originally on its initial release, it had fell into the public domain. So whenever a film falls into the public domain, it basically means that like any low budget or inexpensive film production company can pick it up, but they don't really bother to take the time um, to remaster it or digitize it or anything like that. So more than likely, that's probably why, like for those who might've seen it for the first time on home video, uh, the quality of it was very graining and not looking the best. Um, But I do have to say, it's amazing how growing up, like I actually knew about It's a Wonderful Life, like even before I actually saw it. Um, I actually did not watch the film fully for the first time until I became a senior in high school, which was 15 years ago. Um, But throughout my life, like from the time I could remember watching TV up until senior year of high school, I had seen many references or many episodes of TV shows that have referenced It's a Wonderful Life in some way. Um, I'll definitely go ahead and start off with a couple of references that really stuck out to me in regards to uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, the first one that I uh, that really sticks out was actually an episode of Rugrats. Um, there is an episode of Rugrats entitled Chucky's Wonderful Life. And in the episode, he has made a mess of things and he wishes that he had never been born. Um, Angelica somehow convinces him that like the world would be better off if like no one knew him. But with the help of his, as they say it, his gardening angel, he learns what life would be like without him. And he does see a bleak world without himself in it. Um, the next reference that I came across It's a Wonderful Life was in two episodes of Married with Children. Uh, the first episode was entitled It's a Bundyful Life, and Al, of course, gets a vision of what his life would be like if he had never been born. Uh, his guardian angel is played masterfully by the late, great Sam Kinison. If you haven't watched that episode, it's a two-parter, and I would definitely recommend checking that one out. 
Um, it was also referenced in the Batman animated series from the 1990s. The episode was entitled Christmas with the Joker. Uh, in the episode, the Joker has escaped from Arkham Asylum and Batman wants to do a sweep of the city. But Robin, meanwhile, on the other hand, wants to stay home and watch It's a Wonderful Life. Um, when they do return to the Batcave, it, rather than It's a Wonderful Life, uh, the Joker has taken over all the TV stations in Gotham City, and he's kidnapped uh, Commissioner Gordon, Detective Harvey Bullock, and the news anchor known as Summer Gleason. So that's how It's a Wonderful Life was referenced there. Uh, but back to Married with Children, there was another episode that had referenced It's a Wonderful Life, and it was in one of their later years. Um, the episode is entitled The Worst Noel. I believe it's from like season seven or season eight. And in the episode, Al and Peg are trying to find something to watch on TV because it seems like every station or every other station is airing It's a Wonderful Life. And they're just like going back and forth and seeing like all like these really crappy TV shows. Peg wants to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Al really doesn't. He hates... I mean, he definitely hates the movie uh, for his own dark, uh, cynical reasons. Um, it was also referenced in an episode of Tiny Toons. I believe the character of Buster Bunny uh, had wished what his life was like if he had never existed. But to me personally, the first time that I ever knew what Home Alone... Oh, you know what? I actually already uh, spoiled it for you guys. Uh, the first time that I knew about It's a Wonderful Life, I'll be honest, I didn't even know what it was. Um, it was referenced on Home Alone uh, in the episode where Kevin's family is wa is watching something on the TV and turns out it's a wonderful life in French. And in Home Alone 2, when, when Kevin's family is all in the hotel down in Miami, they're watching it in Spanish. So kind of interesting how they use like different languages. Um, I'm always curious, like, if they ever did actually make a third Home Alone film featuring Macaulay Culkin, I wonder what language they would have used for the third one. Probably would have been Chinese or probably German or something. Um, but like I said earlier in the episode, um, this film was immediately a failure upon its release. It got mixed reactions, and it really didn't make its money back all that much. And since it did fall into the public domain, um, basically anybody could pick it up, and it just became like this staple uh, on cable and has always aired around Christmas time, uh, particularly Christmas Eve. Like from the time, from as far back as I can remember, I always remember it being like a staple on TV. But never really, never really interested in watching the film itself because I'm like, oh, it's you know black and white, and you know this is probably super boring. So in the film, it's a wonderful life. It does start off with we're introduced to George Bailey as a young boy. Um, one of his first acts that we're introduced to as an audience is that he saves his brother from drowning uh, in a lake, and because of that, he loses hearing in his left ear. Um, he also saves his boss from poisoning a kid by accident. Uh, he works in a pharmacy um, as basically just like uh, just like a um, you know soda jerk that kind of thing. And he realizes that through unfortunate circumstances, his boss's son dies of influenza. And because his boss is not thinking clearly, he's not in the right state of mind. He almost accidentally poisoned almost accidentally poisons a kid poisons a kid but george himself george bailey he does have big dreams like he's always wanted to travel he's always wanted to see the world and he wants to like build things and go to greece rome the parthenons brazil you name any big country or any place in the world and george like he he wants to go there um he lives in the small town of bedford falls which we're told is in new york um 
it's not exactly clearly stated what part of New York, but more than likely it's like uh, the western part of New York and probably like three to four hours away from New York City. His de- his father, uh, Peter Bailey, owns a building and loan office, and they're always going up against Mr. Potter, as we're told in the film, as the meanest man in the county. Um, a few years ago, back in 2017, Mr. Potter was referenced on Twitter, and a lot of people were saying that um, like he's reminding them a lot of Donald Trump. I have to disagree. Not so much uh, because it's about Trump, but I'm just like, if you're going to compare um, a villain to like an evil politician, at least get it right. Uh, me personally, I think Mr. Potter kind of resembled Dick Cheney or more so like John McCain. I'm not saying... I'm not saying that, um, you know, Trump is a funny comparison, but I'm just saying I just think, to me, Mr. Potter reminded me a bit more of Dick Cheney. Um, So anyway, uh, as the film is progressing, George is like wanting to get out of Bedford Falls. Um, And so he decides to help out at his younger brother's high school graduation, and he runs into a girl by the name of Mary, and they instantly have an immediate connection. Mary herself has always had a crush on George, like even from the time that they were little kids. And the character of Mary is played wonderfully by Donna Reed. I mean, she just has like that ultimate screen presence, and she's just a beautiful person inside and out. Um, But before George uh, goes on his uh, big worldly trip, um, he has to help the build, uh, the Bailey building and loan office because his dad, unfortunately, had passed away. And he gives this impassioned speech to Mr. Potter about letting him know that like he's a crook and a sleazeball and all he cares about is money. Um, but George, um, being the good person that he is, does postpone his trip to save the building and loan from collapsing and or going into Mr. Potter's hands. Um, His younger brother, Harry, goes on to college and plays college football, and he gets offered a job uh, by his new wife. Um, When Harry returns from his uh, from his college days, you can tell that George is is discouraged and he wished that it was him that went off to college or went out of Bedford Falls and not his younger brother. And I think this idea of being discouraged or, you know, wishing that, like, you know, we had things that other people have, it's definitely a timeless message and it definitely has uh, aged fairly well. Uh, we are happy for others, yet we wonder why things don't necessarily don't necessarily happen to us. And it's amazing that that message still holds up even today. And it's at an all-time high, especially in the world of social media. I mean, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have Snapchat, we have TikTok. And it seems like we're always bombarded like with posts about like new jobs, new cars, new houses, um, engagements, weddings, and births of children. Um, I'll admit there are times where I myself can feel a little discouraged, like if I'm seeing others uh, moving on in their respective lives or respective careers. Um, I think everybody has felt that way in some uh, in some in some way at one point or another. God bless those who don't have um, social media or don't really check in on it um, as much. So praise God to those people. Those are really strong and really brave and passionate people. So George and Mary do end up getting married, uh, but there is a run on the bank. Um, and basically, it's since that run on the bank, people are going to go more to Potter and live in like his so-called slums. Um, but George and Mary, as 
you know, praise God for people like this. Like they use their honeymoon honeymoon money that they were going to use and give it back to the people of Bedford Falls. And that is such such a selfless act. The fact that they would put their other people's needs in front of others. And you don't really see that too much in our society anymore. Um, but George does help numerous families move out from from Mr. Potter's slums. Uh, and he basically uh, takes some of his money and some of his earnings and they transform a, a empty field into Bailey, into Bailey Park, uh, an area that does have like well-afford homes and that way uh, people can live in them and not have to worry about Mr. Potter himself. Uh, but again, George's life is still on hold while a lot of his friends uh, that he grew up with are moving on to what in his mindset is like bigger and better things. Um, but also at the same time, Mr. Potter is offering George to work for him at $20,000 a year, which back then that was quite a bit of money. Uh, I think that would probably equivalent to maybe about 160000 170000 in today's money. I'm no math expert. Um, but Mr. Potter himself has always been regarded, uh, if you look at any like film list, particularly from the American Film Institute, you'll see that Mr. Potter has been widely regarded as one of the most evil film evil villains in film history and i do have to agree with that because unlike many film villains that we have seen in recent years or particularly in the horror film and also in the in the marvel movies um to me mr potter is a lot more evil because he doesn't wear a mask like his face is his mask if that makes any sense um because hey, you know some of the most evil people are corporate people are, are corporate who work nine to five possibly. I mean, it definitely does happen. Uh, but George definitely does say no into working for Mr. Potter. He sticks to his guns, and that's another reason just how selfless that George is. Like you know, he shows that money does not mean everything. Um, he cares about his community. He cares about. Uh, his family, and he doesn't want people, you know, having to rely on Mr. Potter. So Christmas Eve, so we get to Christmas Eve, and this is where the film really starts to, um, you know, where where we are introduced to like the main story. Um, which, speaking of which, like this movie, it's a little over two hours, but honestly, it doesn't feel like two hours. Um, you can go back and watch an older film, like from that from that era in the 30s and 40s and some move a little bit slower than others but i think it's a wonderful life has a excellent pace like it never drags at all like uh, like it really it, it never does um in fact there was a particular time where like i was even checking the time just to see how much um there was left in the film because i rewatched this uh a few a few nights ago and i didn't want to over- uh, fall asleep and miss anything and i was uh pausing it just for a second and i was like dang dang like this in hour in 10 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes has already gone by this film is moving along really great like it didn't even feel like an hour in 10 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes at all and that that's another reason why i think this film has aged really well it's just because it doesn't feel Uh, It doesn't drag. It doesn't like slow down or anything. It just goes at a nice crisp pace. And that, and and I really like that. 
So Uncle Billy, the man who works with uh, George at the uh, building and loan, he loses a big deposit. The big deposit is around eight thousand uh, dollars, which in today's money world it'd probably be about eighty to ninety thousand. Mr. Potter himself comes across it and decides to keep the money. Uh, George comes home after him and Uncle Billy try to find this money, and he's just very distraught because George knows that like if this money's not found, he could go to jail like for fraud and embezzlement. And man, he and Jimmy Stewart himself, this to me was his best role, Um, because when you're watching the film, you're not watching an actor portray George Bailey. Like you're you're looking at him and you're seeing like, okay, this is George Bailey. This is like a real life person. Um, And he just like embodies this role um, so, so well. Uh, In an interview, I believe that he it's that Jimmy Stewart himself had said that George Bailey was like his most favorite role of his to play. Um, And and it's easy to see why Um, there there's a really like powerful, masterful scene where he comes home after he can't him and Uncle Billy can't find the money. And he basically just like breaks down and he takes it out on on his children. Um, And it definitely capulates that time because that was a time when fathers they weren't allowed to be vulnerable um, with their wives or with their children. Uh, because if you go back and watch that scene, like he doesn't like tell Mary, he doesn't tell his children that the money is lost or that he could potentially go to jail. Um, like he just lets his anger and he lets his emotions get the best of him. And I think that's what, that's how a lot of fathers were back then. Like they weren't allowed to be vulnerable. They weren't allowed to be open with their families. And um, because, you know, Growing up as men, it's like, you know, oh, you got to be strong. You got to be tough. You can't show weakness. You can't show emotion. Um, And I think, unfortunately, a lot of them turn to like, you know, dark, darker tragedies back then, whether they cut themselves off emotionally distant. um, A lot of them turn to other sources to cope um, in, in regards to in regards to alcohol, which is very unfortunate. Um, thankfully, we're moving past that uh, in in our society and, and, and guys are able to be more vulnerable with their families. But in a desperate act, George goes to Mr. Potter for help. And the only thing that George really has to offer is his life insurance in which even Potter tells him that he's worth more dead than alive. Um, and that just really seeps into George's, George's psyche. And so in the next so after that george goes to a bar and he just starts like pondering like you know what's going to happen to him when um the inspectors like find that the money is gone and george pray it and like he starts praying in this bar and honestly it's the most realistic way of somebody praying i've ever seen in a film even a film as old as older as this one this is like to me the best portrayal of somebody praying in a movie because if you watch like i don't know like a i guess you could say a film that's a bit more faith-based i don't know um but sometimes like the prayer can just come off as like kind of you just don't buy it and with this particular one i just think it's like the most realistic most vulnerable way that you could like show prayer somebody who's just like down on his luck um and and even george admits that you know that he's not a praying man and i think that's just what makes that scene so much stronger and just really sticks out to me um because as someone who's like at the end of his rope and just asking god for help um 
Uh, it gets me every time. It's so sad. Um, so George is at the bridge and he's basically contemplating suicide. And then we're introduced to Clarence, his guardian angel. Now, throughout the film, we have been um, given a voiceover, so to speak. Um, and Clarence is basically introduced to George and, you know, he's given an aspect of his life. So, in a sense, George saves Clarence from drowning and George tells Clarence that he wishes that he's never been born. And so he decides to give George a glimpse of what his life would be like if he never existed. And all the people that he has helped with, or George in this case, like throughout his life, um, he's basically just given an image. And all the people that he's helped with throughout the years, um, they all really don't exactly have the best circumstances. Like, for example, his boss, Mr. Gower, um, because George was not there to stop him from putting poison in the in that per, in the young boy's pills, he ended up going to prison for 20 years for manslaughter. And he's basically seen as just like a common joke. Um, his uncle Billy went to a um, mental, mental institution um, because he had a breakdown after the building building and loan office closed. Um, his brother, George's brother, Harry, died because George was not there to save Harry. Um, I w- yeah, like it's uh. and like when in the scene that always like really like shows that like it's really scary at times is the fact that um, George goes to find out about his uncle Billy and he like runs to the camera and just gives like this like shocked like oh my gosh look this is this is the world without me and jimmy stewart just like runs to the camera and he stops and he turns and he like slows and he has like this panic almost scared look on his face it's really terrifying it actually reminded me of something from uh the twilight zone uh so basically it's a wonderful life was uh the twilight zone before the twilight zone i'm actually really curious to see if maybe that was something rod serling was inspired by um when he was writing some episodes of the twilight zone um but also the one that really causes george to wake up and like or or I guess like, you know, wake up and be like, Hey, like, you know, I want my life back is that Clarence tells Mary or tells George that his wife, Mary never married. And she was, and she was an old maid and she was a librarian and, Oh my gosh. Like, I just can't believe that. Like they tried to make Donna Reed, like look so unattractive. Like all they did was like, you know, slap some glasses on her and put a hat on her head. It's like, really? Come on. Donna Reed was like one of the most beautiful actresses of that time. How in the heck are you going to make her look unattractive or ugly? Come on. It's no, 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 no. You just can't, you just can't possibly do that. Um, <laughs> I actually was having a conversation about this with a friend of mine a few weeks ago, and we're just like, no, there ain't no way that they're going to make look, make Donna Reed like look unattractive. It's totally unrealistic, totally unrealistic. Um, so once that does happen, uh, George does pray to Clarence and Clarence does grant him his, his life back. And, George is just grateful for all the little things. Like, he's grateful for the town of Bedford Falls that he lives in. Uh, He's grateful for his wife. He's grateful for his children. Meanwhile, at the same time, uh, Mary is... Like, she could tell that something was bugging George. So she does call Uncle Billy, and then everybody decides to help chip George in and, like, you know, help save him from going to jail. And it's just... And, like, that scene alone is just, like, so 
important because it just shows like how many lives that George has like helped and saved over over the years uh, from Mr. Potter himself and everybody like donates money uh, to help him out and I believe like they they donate more than than what he's needing and meanwhile his brother Harry comes uh, back from serving in the war and he has like you know a wonderful toast and he's like hey to my big brother George the richest man in town and like I don't I don't know like try to watch that scene without getting a tear in your eye I don't think I don't think you really can um and uh and 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 it's and it's true uh regardless of your current situation and as long as you have like family and friends that you care for and that you love I mean like money does not matter um as you know we have all been told over the years like mate money cannot buy happiness money is not everything um and regardless of like you know what whatever we do in life it's like it's the little things it's the little moments um that do make up our lives and um and as long as like we're there for each other and care and care for one another reach out to others um then it truly is a wonderful life so last year during the home alone episode i dedicated this uh that episode to my friend danny uh this particular year i'm going to change it up a little bit and i'm actually going to dedicate this episode to somebody uh, uh to another person i'm going to dedicate this to somebody in my family and i'm actually going to dedicate this episode to my grandfather uh my grandpa harvey so as i was watching it's a wonderful life uh this holiday season I was struck by the fact that, like, anytime, like, I saw him, like, the character of George, like, talking about, like, you know, like, what he wants to do with his life and, um, and, and things like that, like, like, travel, see the world and do all these things. Um, but, you know, life gets in the way, you know, get married, have a family and stuff. Um, and I definitely want to dedicate this episode to my grandfather, Harvey, because as I was watching the film, I could see a lot of George Bailey in my grandfather uh you know just like kind caring um you know like he would do do anything he could to like help his fellow help his fellow man um and also my my grandfather was a businessman himself he had a barbershop before he retired and he definitely uh made a lot of connections and knew a lot of people uh when he when he had his business um and he's definitely a good, uh, yeah, he's definitely a good man, you know, a good, like, faith, uh, faith-based man, um, you know, always puts his, always puts his faith in God, um, and I could, I, I, and I don't know, like, the way that, like, Jimmy Stewart portrayed it, like, I could just always see um, a lot of George Bailey in my grandfather. It's kind of hard to describe, but I think I've done the best that I can, so... Um, Grandpa Harvey, I'm not sure if you'll ever listen to this, but uh, yeah, I'm dedicating this episode to you. Uh, thank you very much for being an influence in my life in regards to like uh, in regards to like faith based and everything. So yeah, and I can't not wait to see you at Christmas time. So to everybody that is listening to this, yes, if you know my grandfather Harvey, send send the send this to him his way. I think he will definitely love it. And to all the rest of my viewers, um, 
viewers, uh, listeners, excuse me. Uh, to all my listeners, thank you so much for being with me as season two is almost about to be wrapped up. Um, next episode that I'll be doing is basically just a recap on season two. Um, I know that 2020 was basically a shit show. Um, I know 2021, you know, had some ups and had some downs, but hopefully you are able to, um, hopefully that you're able to be with family this year and you're able to visit them. Please hug them, comfort them, you know, tell them how much you love them. Um, because Hey, you never know this. Hey, you know, life is too short and we definitely got to, you know, let the people that we know in our life, uh, how much we care for them. This is Mr. Birdman signing out. Um, with this episode, and I hope to uh, hear from y'all in the next one. Take care.